0: Uh, Tonight, uh, aptly enough, we're talking about sin, uh, man in revolt, and the nature and origin of sin. And uh, we're going to be in this topic for a couple of weeks. Uh, Next week, we'll talk about uh, the transmission of sin, Uh, that is, how how we are reckoned to be sinners. Uh, My my focus this evening is is a little uh, more on Adam's sin, uh, and the nature of sin. What is sin? How do we define sin? And uh, on page two, it's rather intimidating. I- ignore the left-hand side. Uh, some of these notes are for other purposes other than this class. And and so I've got all the Greek and Hebrew. But uh, if you want to follow the uh, the right-hand side of that little table, um, just just looking at it without any specificity, Uh, will uh, bring to the surface uh, the fact that there are many different words for sin in the Bible, uh, in both the Old Testament Hebrew and in the New Testament Greek, and uh, this is is by no means all of them. Uh, And I think that tells us something about how complex sin actually is and how uh, naively and and simply we sometimes think about sin. We tend to compartmentalise sin. Sin is is just this one thing. And actually uh, sin is many things and can be viewed uh, from many different uh, perspectives in the Bible. So uh, just a quick uh, cursory look here um, some New Testament words sin is a, a falling short uh, of the target. Uh, And and I think it's uh, appropriate to think of uh, something like a bow and arrow, uh, and an arrow that that misses the target, uh, that's sin. Sin is deviating away from from the norm. Uh, The basic target, of course, for us is to glorify God. Uh, That's why we were created, uh, to bring uh, glory to God. And sin is, is missing that target, missing the mark. Uh, and something that we do uh, all the time twenty four seven in everything that we do, we fail to give God the proper glory that is due his name, uh, or sin is lawlessness uh, that 's just a new testament uh, saying of course first john three four sin is lawlessness, and that brings uh, to the surface the basic idea of the relationship between sin and law: uh, God gives us a law He Provides for us a norm uh, by which we may glorify Him, a standard by which to live. and sin is uh, 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 a saying no, uh, a rebellion. Uh, it's being lawless. It's, uh, it's being rebellious against the standard, the norm, uh, that God has set down. Of course, you see that in the Garden of Eden, and we'll see that in a minute. God established a law. Uh, you might think it was almost an arbitrary law of this particular tree you may not eat. Uh, I don't think there was anything special about the tree in itself. It was just, it was just a prohibition. It was just a test. Uh, and uh, immediately you see that law being challenged. Uh, or sin is uh, iniquity or, uh, or wrongdoing or evil. Uh, and again... Uh, the basic idea is that God has given us a, a straight edge and that we have deviated uh, from it. And, and, and on down through the, the list, uh, various metaphors, various uh, uh, ways of uh, looking at sin. Now, let's, uh, let's look at it more uh, theologically in, on page three. Uh, sin is multifaceted. Sin is multifaceted. Uh, And as uh, this quotation here will tell you uh, that the Bible presents sin by way of major concepts, principally lawlessness and faithlessness, expressed in uh, variety and an array of images. Sin is the missing of a target, wandering from the path, straying from the fold. Uh, Sin is a hard heart and a stiff neck, blindness and deafness. It is both the overstepping of a line and the failure to reach it, both transgression and shortcoming. Sin is a beast crouching at the door. In sin, people attack or evade or neglect their divine calling uh, and so on. Uh, Just a multifaceted way, metaphors, images of describing what sin uh, is. Uh, The Shorter Catechism has focused in particular on the legal aspect. Uh, What is sin? Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of uh, the law of God, Uh, overstepping the line, failing to reach the line, negative and positive. But in Uh, the perspective in the Shorter Catechism is that of of breaking of the law or failure to comply with law, with the standard of God's norm. Another fundamental category uh, in which the Old Testament in particular thinks about sin is that of idolatry. Uh, And uh, Calvin's uh, famous uh, statement in the Institutes uh, that man's Nature, so to speak, is a perpetual factory of idols. That's a very graphic uh, metaphor, uh, that man's heart is constantly producing idols. Uh, Instead of giving glory to God, we give glory to uh, other gods, gods of our own making. Uh, Instead of uh, obeying God's law, we obey our law. Uh, It is all a form of idolatry. It is playing uh, God. Uh, And perhaps another um, broad category in which to think about sin. Sin is uh, breaking the law or failure to comply with the law. Sin is uh, idolatry. Uh, Sin is pride. Pride. Um, Superbia uh, in Latin, uh, Augustine. Uh, St. Augustine uh, defines sin um, essentially as as pride. Um, Man, uh, as it were, Curved in upon himself uh, in, in complete self-absorption. Uh, thinking about oneself and one's own needs. Uh, we see it in our children. Uh, we don't have to teach our children to say mine. Uh, it's instinctive. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's part, they're wired, hardwired uh, to, uh, to uh, reflect something of what Augustine is actually talking about here. Uh, Sin is the devil's image. Uh, We are created uh, in the image of God, but sin is the devil's image. Uh, It is the the, uh, anti-God way in which uh, we express ourselves, the the uh, self-exalting pride and uh, self-importance that we give uh, to ourselves. Now, uh, this is a a philosophical as well as a theological uh, issue, the origin of sin. Uh, Whence sin? Where did sin come from? Um, And here, uh, the Bible and and biblical thought and a biblical uh, worldview um, is particularly at odds uh, with uh, current worldviews of our culture. Uh, the worldview of naturalism, uh, which we 've had cause to uh, look at uh, in our studies of uh, creation in just recent weeks, uh, that man, if man is just one gene mutation away from uh, the rest of uh, the rest of the animal kingdom, say, uh, then sin is, uh, according to that view, uh, a necessary consequence of, of being. Uh, it is, in fact, just uh, it, it, it's something that's, uh, that's inherent within within the material universe itself. If you have any notion of sin or wrong or wrongdoing, uh, sin in, in that sense, philosophically, would then be rendered absolutely uh, necessary. Now, it's important to understand, uh, particularly important to understand, that sin exists in the universe before Adam and Eve fell. Uh, the, the story of Adam and Eve falling in the Garden of Eden is not the answer to the origin of sin. Sin is already in the universe. Uh, the serpent is already there. The devil has, has already fallen. Uh, the fall uh, that the Bible only briefly alludes to of uh, Satan and uh, some of the angels. Uh, and there are references to it in uh, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 um, that this is something that the Bible hasn't explained to us, uh, that uh, it's not something that we have full cognizance of. But um, uh, within, within the universe God made and within the angelic realm that God created, uh, there, was a, there was a prior fall uh, of uh, angels and Satan being the prince uh, among them. Uh, That's all that the Bible uh, tells us. But it does say to us that the origin of sin in the universe is not the Garden of Eden. The origin of of sin in the universe lies elsewhere. Uh, The origin of sin in mankind uh, is, of course, in the Garden of Eden. Now that uh, says also uh, something about um, the liberty of will or freedom of will... Uh, that existed uh, within uh, within the an angelic realm uh, we can only conjecture here um, but but god created uh, the angelic realm with a capacity to rebel uh, that the angels had that freedom to uh, rebel uh, and uh, uh, the liberty of will then in a primal creation uh, and uh, we draw something of a of a line under that. We don't know anything more about that except the brief allusions uh, that were given in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel uh, 28. Let's focus our thoughts uh, on the garden and the origin of sin in uh, mankind. And first of all, in, in Adam. Uh, Adam was a, was a, was a glorious um, representation of God's. Uh, creative activity now, I, I want to say something about that. We, we should never, We should never speak uh, in any way that denigrates or downplays or, or makes insignificant Adam before the fall. Adam was a magnificent creature. Uh, there, there was no other creature in all of the universe quite like Adam, uh, not even among the angels. Uh, not even, for that matter, as far as we can tell, among the archangels. Uh, Adam is supremely created in the image of God. And here I speak of Adam and Eve, of course. Uh, I mean, Adam, as Genesis 1, uses, uh, uses man, man, male and female. Uh, and then separates those in the second creation account. But, but uh, Adam and, and Eve, but Adam created first. Adam was a magnificent creature. Uh, and I think that we need to uh, see that, and uh, sin uh, sin is exacerbated in light of the magnificence of who Adam actually was and how Adam actually had been uh, created uh, he was He was blessed above uh, everything and, 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 and all of the rest of creation, uh, and the fall is that much more. Uh, uh, evil as a consequence of the blessedness of uh, Adam's uh, original state before the fall. And uh, uh, we, we need to be very careful when we speak about Adam before the fall. Adam, uh, Adam was, was the representation of God himself. Uh, God, God revealed himself, stamped his image uh, upon, upon Adam. Uh, and then uh, the 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 liberty, the liberty of will, or free will. Uh, I'm I'm somewhat reluctant to use the term free will because people uh, have all kinds of connotations with, with the phrase free will. But there was Adam had liberty of uh, of will. He was he was able uh, he was able to stand and free to fall. Uh, there's there's nothing there's absolutely nothing in Adam. As created, that necessitated his fall. It wasn't a defect of creation uh, that Adam fell. Adam fell because he chose to rebel. Uh, God creates the universe. Uh, the doctrine of predestination here notwithstanding, uh, God creates a universe in which it is possible for Adam freely to choose to rebel. Uh, and there's nothing in man's constitution and there's nothing in the environment into which Adam is placed that necessitates his, his fall. He is a responsible Moral agent. Now, we speak subsequent to the fall, of course, but we, do speak, we blame all sorts of things on our behavior. We blame the environment. Uh, we, we blame parents or we blame our upbringing. And, and all of those may be factors uh, in determining behavior. I'm not denying that they are factors in, in determining or, or at least in influencing, that's a better word, in influencing um, behavior. Uh, but they're not, uh, they're not the sum total of influences that determine um, behavior. Uh, and Adam, uh, Adam was able to stand and free to fall. Uh, and that Adam's fall is something that he freely chose uh, to do. Now let's uh, focus a little narrower now on the nature of uh, this sin in its origin and the nature of this sin in its origin is deception uh, Genesis 3 1, now the serpent was more crafty, as uh, is the ESV translation, uh, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field uh, that the Lord God uh, had made now um, uh, the serpent, or the snake, if you like, um, that 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 is uh, that is certainly identified as uh, as uh, as Satan, as uh, as the devil uh, in later scripture, and and the allusions back to Genesis identify the serpent here, um, uh, this this speaking uh, snake uh, in the garden uh, as uh, as the devil. Now, notice the morphology uh, of this temptation, the the approach that the devil makes. Uh, And I think it's um, instructive to do this because the the devil has a limited repertoire. And uh, I think it's important for us to learn that strategies that the devil has implied that he has discovered to be, uh, to be ef- effective are strategies that he will employ over and over again. And those strategies are limited. And I think one of the things uh, that you and I are called upon to do is to learn the strategies uh, of the devil. Now notice, first of all, the planting of a suspicion. And that is a suspicion about God. God and about the character of God, and about the motive of God, and about the intent of God. Uh, uh, um, A suspicion as to God's essential sincerity. Uh, And Satan suggests that God is being harsh. Uh, He said to the woman, did God actually say You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. Now, God never said anything of the sort. God forbade eating of one particular tree, but not of of any tree, right? So already, there is an essential... Uh, legalism to what the devil is doing. And I think we're hardwired to buy into legalism, right? I think think we are hardwired to buy into legalism. And the the legalistic trap here of the devil is to say, God doesn't want you to have any of these. And even even if he allows you some of it, he doesn't really want you to have it, right? uh, So there's an essential suspicion here about the character of God. Hold in mind the parable of the prodigal son in which the older son says, remember when the prodigal repents and comes home and there's a party and the older son is peeved by the whole thing and says, all these years I've been slaving for you. And the father says, but you've always been my son. But the, the idea that has built up in the mind of the older brother is that service for his father is essentially slavery, that the father doesn't really want him to enjoy, to have blessedness. It's a a creeping suspicion about the character of God and that is always what the devil deploys and he does it here in the garden, Uh, a a suggestion that God is being harsh. Satan um, distorts the aesthetic of beauty in Eden and turns it into something ugly. In other words, this beautiful garden that Adam and Eve were to enjoy, except for one tree in the, in, in, in the garden, they, they were to enjoy the rest of this garden. But Satan has turned that beauty into something ugly, right? And, and, and the aesthetic the, the, the changing of the aesthetic of beauty into something that is ugly is always something that Satan uh, deploys. Now, Eve believes then the lie. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, God hadn't said anything about not touching the tree. And I think it was, uh, it was more than uh, uh, possible uh, in, in the story of creation for Adam and Eve to have, uh, to have uh, gone up to this tree, to have climbed the tree, uh, to, to have touched it, um, uh, what the, the forbidding was not to eat of it. And in other words, in the story, Eve doesn't believe all of what Satan has said, but believes enough of it to distort the character of God. And, and um, you know, that's a strategy, isn't it? You, you, you tell a, a whopping great lie, and then you just believe a little bit of it. And that's, and that's enough, because Satan already has got his foothold in Eve. When, when, uh, when she, narrows, uh, she narrows the commandment uh, of God... Uh, the lie, uh, notice the suspicion, and then the lie. But the serpent said to the woman, "You will not surely die." Right? So having 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 believed the suspicion, now Satan uh, takes full cognizance now of the advantage that he has, um, tells the lie, uh, and uh, and infuses into it this this ambition. Uh, God doesn't want. God doesn't want to uh, miss something out. God doesn't want you to know, uh, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened; uh, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Uh, you see, there then uh, the the um, the ambition here uh, is for uh, uh, the first parents uh, to uh, to become like God, to become God-like, to have. To have knowledge that they were not entitled to have. To go, to go beyond what God had revealed and, and shown to them. Right. So the climax is a lie big enough to reinterpret life. Uh, this uh, breadth is the power of a false uh, statement. And dynamic enough to redirect the flow of affection and ambition. To be as God. And to achieve it by outwitting him is an intoxicating program. God will henceforth be regarded, consciously or not, as rival or enemy. Uh, and what exactly did Eve know? Uh, the devil says if you, if you eat, uh, you'll, you will know something that God doesn't want you to know. And what was it? Um, that she was naked. You know, it's the biggest anticlimax I think in all of history, um, that the only knowledge that they had at the end of this was uh, the realization of their nakedness. Um, in in one sense, in one sense, it's all it's all fairly fairly trivial. Um, I, I'm often uh, I'm often moved by the way Augustine tells us. You know, Augustine had lived a very profligate life, uh, more profligate than I I could have liberty to tell you uh, here this evening. Uh, I I mean, it was as profligate as you could imagine. Uh, And then uh, when he is converted, uh, what is it that first brings to his his mind and his consciousness that he is a sinner and that he is in need of the forgiveness of uh, God? And it was a a, a trivial incident. It was, it was stealing pears that belonged uh, to a neighbor. Uh, something that we can all identify with. You know, this this massively intellectual man, uh, one of the great figures of the western uh, of the western world for sure, uh, and and yet he's saying, uh, you know, s- sin is at that level. Uh, sin is something we can all relate to, wanting wanting what is forbidden, that seems on the surface so trite. And, and the story of Genesis is at that level. Uh, the, the eating of this fruit is, is, on one level, it's trite. It's, it's nothing. I mean, not, not in comparison to uh, to murder or adultery. It's, it's, it's fairly trite. And yet the principle is wanting something that God has said no to, and that's that's the essence. Um, Of sin. And and I think we can all relate to that. Now, a word here about the role um, of Eve, uh, because of the statement in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 3 uh, that Adam was formed first and then Eve. uh, And uh, Paul makes a great deal of that in terms of uh, role relationships and uh, male headship. Uh, within uh, a marriage uh, for sure uh, was Eve and the question I want to ask is uh, was Eve tempted because women are weaker and more easily deceived than men? Is that, what, is that the point that Paul is making in First Timothy 4.3 and I have to say that the majority of commentators down through history uh, certainly up until the middle of the 20th century did interpret it that way and I just think I just, I just can't buy that. I just think that that is just, just 't nonsense. That that women are weaker at some things, but men are weaker at some things. You know, it's not a generic. It's not a generic rule that women are weaker than men. Uh, Ten times more men are prosecuted for drunkenness than women. I mean, that's just a fact. So I don't think that's what I don't think that's what Paul is saying here. Um, Is it true that women are more easily deceived? Well, truth is that men are more easily deceived about some things, and women are more easily deceived about other things. Um, Note, Adam Adam was right there too. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was delight to, to, to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. And then the eyes of, of both of them were opened. So, so Adam was right there all along. And Adam said nothing. Right? He said absolutely nothing. He, he failed to exercise his role as a husband. And God punished them both. Because you've listened to the voice of your wife. Genesis 3.17 Listened. But not spoken. And I think Paul's point in 1 Timothy is not that, that man is undeceivable and that the woman is more deceivable. I think the point is that when men and women forsake their responsibilities, both are more vulnerable to error and sin. I think that's what Paul is saying in 1 Timothy uh, 4. Though, you may disagree with me. And as... You've seen today, I am not infallible or inerrant. It was 500 and not 5,000. The role of Satan, um, because sin enters into the human world via Satan, uh, we should expect, I think, it's uh, uh, the eradication of sin in the universe to involve uh, Satan too. uh, Do you follow the argument? But if sin came in via Satan, then sin will go out via Satan too. And, and that means that at least one aspect, not, not all for sure, but one aspect of, of redemption, of the work of Christ, the one aspect of the cross, is to deal with Satan. Because that's how sin entered, so, so the eradication of sin has to deal with with Satan too, and so you have in uh, the New Testament, for example, several texts that suggest that first uh, john three eight the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, or Colossians two fifteen that Christ uh, disarmed the rulers uh, and authorities and, and put them to open shame by triumphing over them uh, in. In him, uh, the authorities and the and the rulers here are, are always in Paul, uh, demonic uh, authorities and, and rulers. Or uh, the principal statement I think in Caesarea Philippi in Matthew 16, uh, "I will build my church, and the gates of hell uh, will not prevail against it." In other words, in other words, that the redemptive program of God is dealing with hell. It's dealing with the forces of Satan and of. Uh, And of darkness. Now we'll have more to say about that uh, much later on when we talk about the cross and and the work of Christ. But just as sin entered via Satan, so the eradication of sin also must involve uh, Satan in some way. Now, what are the effects of sin? And the effects of sin are many, Uh, they're pluriform in that sense. Uh, First of all, relationally. You see that immediately in Genesis uh, 3, in the dysfunctionality uh, that now emerges in uh, the garden. First of all, with Adam and Adam, yes, Adam and Adam, uh, they knew they were naked. uh, And that is, Adam now senses within himself something of a dysfunctionality, uh, a, a sense of vulnerability, Uh, a divided self, if I can employ a term. Um, I think think certain aspects of psychological neurosis can be explained here because of the influence of sin. Uh, And therefore, Adam uh, Adam is now dysfunctional within himself. Uh, He's not at peace. Uh, within himself, so the, so something something of a distortion psychologically takes place within Adam, uh, or between Adam and Eve, uh, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit, and you see this uh, culture of blame shifting uh, in in genesis three uh, and, and you see it especially in now the marital social tension between Adam and Eve. They are blame-shifting and finger-pointing, something that you know nothing about in your marriages, of course, but here you see it in, in Genesis 3. Uh, it's always your fault, right? And not, it's not my fault. The instinct of Adam is to blame Eve. The instinct of Eve was to blame Satan. Um, and then you see it between Adam and the environment, and we were looking at that in the last couple of uh, studies together, uh, in terms of the curse that falls upon creation, uh, that creation was subject to futility in Romans uh, 8, uh, and uh, so there's Ad- Adam and the garden, Adam and creation, his work now is with the sweat of his brow and, and, and weeds, his, his work is less productive than it, than it was. Uh, And fourthly, with Adam and and God. Uh, The man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. uh, uh, From the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So Adam and Adam, Adam and Eve, Adam and the environment, Adam and God. And in every conceivable direction, sin now has its effect uh, relationally. Uh, And then socially, although we've already commented a little on that, but uh, uh, the way in which sin manifests itself in the succeeding uh, chapters of Genesis and the first child that is born to Adam and Eve is a murderer, uh, you know, that should, that should knock you sideways, uh, that if you are if you telling the story of creation and the, and the first child born to Adam and Eve is a murderer. Um, and, and you see that social dysfunctionality that emerges as a consequence of sin, uh, the loss of paradise, the loss of um, Edenic society, uh, and, uh, and that the only the only way that society can reach that paradise, you know, it's not uh, you know the, the claptrap that used to be spoken in the beginning of the 20th century, the world is getting better and better. Uh, And, of course, uh, two world wars put uh, pay to that. But uh, the turn of the 19th century uh, thought that man was forever increasing. It was, of course, a consequence of Darwinism, of of, of philosophical Darwinism, uh, that the world was uh, on a course to self-improvement. And uh, and the story of of sin in Eden is the opposite, that the world is on 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 a course leading to greater and greater dysfunctionality apart from the interventions A of common grace and B of redemptive grace uh, by Almighty God. Thirdly of covenant unfaithfulness and we'll see more of that. I'm not going to comment too much about that tonight. We'll do an entire lecture on Um, covenant and the covenant in Eden and and the emerging covenantal nature of of God's uh, ways. I'm going to reserve my comments about that until we do the lecture on covenant. Um, Guilt is another consequence uh, of sin. Uh, a, A sense, I don't mean guilt feelings, although Adam and Eve certainly have guilt feelings and a sense of shame. Uh, but I mean, I mean guilt in the sense of liability to punishment. You, you may be guilty whether you feel guilty or not. Uh, you know, every, everybody in prison is innocent. You know, but actually, they, the, you know, the vast majority of them, of course, are guilty. Whether they, whether they feel guilty or not is, is beside the point. Uh, and I'm, I'm speaking here of liability to punishment. I'm, I'm talking about legal uh, guilt here uh, for transgressing God's law. And for transgressing God's law, there is punishment. And that that punishment, of course, is is death. Uh, Uncleanness. Uh, And notice uh, the words uh, defiled and unclean that emerge in the Old Testament. Um, One of the the, uh, ways in which sin manifests itself is that it renders us unfit, polluting, polluting. Uh, We're unfit to be in the presence of a holy God. And and God explains this in Old Testament Levitical law using using picture language. um, That certain certain conditions and certain things render you unclean and unfit to go to the house of God where God is present. That's what sin does. You you cannot come into God's house without being cleansed. Uh, Shame... Uh, the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Uh, the, whole, the whole issue of shame, and uh, uh, shame, of course, is a, is a psychological uh, issue. It's also a, a, a counseling issue. Uh, it's uh, it's a, an issue that uh, affects uh, um, uh, our teenage youth uh, in, in, in many different uh, ways, but all of it is a, is a consequence of sin. Had there been no sin, there'd be no sense of shame. Uh, and uh, pivotally, death. Uh, the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Uh, and then in, in the curse that is pronounced, for you are dust, and to dust you shall uh, return. Now, the state of sin, and uh, I want to say f- five things here about the state of sin sin is a is a is a state it 's a condition if you like of condemnation uh, and and condemnation in the sense of viewing God as judge, uh, the soul who sins will die uh, and adversely or 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 on the opposite side in the gospel in Christ, Paul can say. Uh, At the beginning of Romans 8, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. By nature, we are in a state of condemnation. Uh, The the natural man, the Adamic man, the the one in union with Adam, is in a state of condemnation. Uh, And in the gospel, that condemnation is lifted. So that's that's what sin does. It renders us condemned. We are we are guilty and condemned. Uh, secondly, sin renders us in a, into a state of defilement, and that's thinking of God as holy. Um, Adam is driven from Eden; uh, he cannot be in God's presence. Uh, flaming swords guarded by angelic. Uh, seraphs guard the way back into the garden of uh, of Eden uh, making the point that some things are unfit to be in God's presence right and that's why in uh, Old Testament uh, Levitical worship as I was saying uh, there were certain taboos and uh, rituals uh, surrounding worship uh, teaching the lesson uh, that some things are unclean and unfit and need to be purified by nature uh, as a consequence of sin, we are defiled. Right, so we are condemned. We are defiled, uh, and thirdly, um, depraved. In this sense, uh, it, it is, I think, considering our state before God as a creator. We were created in His image, and that image has been destroyed. Not not wholly destroyed. I think that we, we still bear the image, even as fallen. As fallen human beings, we bear the image like ruined castles. Um, and you see a ruined castle and you imagine uh, life, you know, back in the 10th or 11th or 12th century or, or, or something like that. Um, uh, but we are, we are in a depraved state. Uh, fourthly, uh, a state of inability. A state of inability. Now, this is viewing God as lawgiver. Um, Augustine uh, St. Augustine uh, coined some phrases uh, they were in Latin of course uh, phrases about the condition of man before the fall the condition of man after the fall the condition of man after regeneration and then the condition of man in heaven Uh, and uh, they, they have something of a of a ring and a rhyme to it in Latin, posse pecari, non posse pecari, non posse non pecari, and so on. And, and you, 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 you rhyme these things as you, as you go through the four states of man. Uh, Thomas Boston, who's very important, of course, for the ARP, he's, he's, he's part of our history, uh, Thomas Boston took up uh, Augustine's uh, way of looking at the fourfold state of man and wrote a very famous book uh, called uh, The Fourfold State. Um, not uh, not easy reading, but, an, but important uh, reading, but on the fourth also easy for you, uh, theologians as you are in uh, in the school of uh, theology at uh, First Presbyterian Church, but um, Adam, before the fall, as we said right at the very beginning, had within him uh, the power to obey and the power not to obey. Uh, it was possible for him to obey posse. Uh, um, posse non pacare it was possible for him not to sin. Um, it was also possible for him to sin. So it was possible for him not to sin, but it was possible for him to sin. And he chose uh, n- n- to sin. But subsequent to the fall, um, it is not possible for him now to obey, or putting it in a double uh, in, into the negative, it is uh, it is not possible for him uh, n- not. Uh, um, I've got this the wrong way around um, After the fall, it is not possible for him to obey. It's 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 only possible for him to sin, uh, and uh, non it's uh, it's a non 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 posse non pecari. Every every. Uh, uh, look at uh, Genesis six five. Uh, the culmination of it: every intention of the thoughts of his heart uh, was only evil continually. Uh, in other words, after the fall, uh, it wasn't possible. Adam lost free will. Uh, he he lost the ability to choose God. Uh, And and now he can only choose within his nature, and his nature is now fallen. His nature is now, in Augustine's language, curved in upon himself. Uh, And he can only choose those options that are curved in upon himself. Now that's, of course, what the gospel uh, liberates us from and uh, and enables us to obey God's law. but Adam, uh, Adam uh, finds himself as a consequence of sin in a in a state of inability. Um, you know, if you don't believe that, um, you know, choose cho- choose God right now. You know, say to the say to the unconverted person. Uh, if he challenges that, you know, to tell him uh, why don't you choose God right now? And uh, uh, you, 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 you will find, uh, you know, that uh, the, the Bible just uh, underlines it again and again that the natural man does not have that ability. Uh, he is dead in trespasses and in sins, and unless the Holy Spirit comes and regenerates, takes away the old heart and gives him a new heart, uh, makes him willing in the day of God's power, to use a Bible expression, uh, the natural man, the Adamic man, finds himself in a state of inability. So a state of condemnation, a state of defilement, a state of depravity, a state of inability, and, and fifthly, a state of death. Uh, the state of Adam before God as, as our heavenly uh, father. Uh, you know, Adam Adam before the fall was a son. Uh, I don't think that you should view the pre-fall period as one in which Adam is trying to, to become a son of God. He already is a son of God. Uh, the lavish uh, provision... Uh, that God gives him, and I've given you, if you don't accept that, you're quarreling here with Dr. Ferguson, whoever he may be, and I've given you three reasons why Dr. Ferguson thinks that the state of Adam uh, before the fall was a state of sonship. And so that redemption restores what was there in creation all along, and that's what what grace always does, of course. Uh, It restores us into a state of sonship, Uh, where we we view and have fellowship with God as our our heavenly uh, father. Uh, So uh, that's the fifth thing that we say about sin. It renders us in a state of death. Uh, And then uh, to bring this particular lesson to a conclusion, just uh, just some things here about um, false views of sin. Uh, And I've uh, and there are many of them, of course, and I've, I've just uh, I've just singled out uh, four of them, uh, four of them that, that seem to me to to be uh, prevailing uh, false views of sin uh, within society uh, today. Uh, we live in a in a society that is constantly engaging in reductionism, uh, the nothing buttery argument. Uh, we are nothing but and fill in the blank. We're nothing but chemicals. We're nothing but electromagnetic energy. We're nothing but the product of our environment. We're nothing but uh, the product of a genetic code or, or, or whatever it is. Uh, we are nothing but atoms and molecules and chemical interactions. And sin is merely an electromagnetic chemical imbalance or, or something of that nature. That's, that's the consequence. Uh, that's, what's, that's that's the only that's the only. Uh, way you can define sin in a reductionist uh, universe. Or uh, evolutionism, if if mankind is merely one uh, genetic um, uh, change uh, from the rest of the animal kingdom, that's all that he is. Uh, then sin is, is merely the factor that hinders that progress in, in the uh, evolutionary chain of events uh, along an ever-progressive uh, developmental uh, trajectory. Uh, and that's, that's all that sin is. It's whatever that hindrance is to, that prevents you from making that, that, next, that next change uh, in uh, evolutionary development. Uh, or environmentalism. Um, this is a California issue. Sin is a failure to realize that we are merely part of the ecosystem uh, in which Mother Nature nourishes and sustains us. Um, that, I think, is a, a common default. Uh, that uh, uh, That's all sin is, a failure to realize, uh, to be at one uh, with the rest of the universe. Uh, or a uh, mistakeism—I made that up. Uh, I'm, I'm still working on a better, on a better ism here. But a mistakeism—it's uh, what you hear on TV all the time uh, from uh, sports personalities uh, and, and others, you know, who, who fall in some great way, uh, and they'll, they'll come on television and often accompanied by tears, and uh, they'll say, "I made a mistake." And sin is more than a mistake, actually. Actually, there is a there is an enormous difference between sin and a mistake. Uh, someone will say, I, "I made a mistake," instead of saying, "I sinned." Right? A sin is a moral issue. A mistake is not. But a mistake is not a moral issue. But a sin is a moral issue. Uh, and uh, and those are four, uh, and there are many more. I I know that. But uh, those are four. Are ways in which uh, in which uh, false views uh, of sin uh, are seen within our society. Now, next week we'll talk about we'll talk about um, the deceitfulness of sin, uh, but we'll also we also need to talk next week about the transmission of sin. Uh, so we'll have to take a look at uh, Romans five, for example, and how sin in Adam becomes sin. In the rest of uh, mankind, uh, in in the progeny uh, of uh, of Adam, and how how the Bible explains uh, that, uh, and that's uh, that's uh, an important, uh, very important issue uh, that we look at next week. Well, let's pray together. Father, uh, we thank you. We thank you as we as we read these uh, these passages of Genesis in particular, and see something of the. Uh, the morphology of uh, Satan's wiles we've, uh, we've experienced them we've known something of his whisperings in our own ears uh, suggesting that you are less than kind and less than generous and that you don't really intend to give us the best uh, we've fallen into the trap of uh, legalism at his behest we thank you Lord uh, that though sin does indeed bring us into a state of depravity and a state of inability and a state of uh, condemnation uh, and a state in which we are defiled, we, we thank you that in the gospel of Jesus Christ there is no condemnation to those who are in uh, Christ Jesus, that in Christ we, we are rendered as pure and spotless as Jesus himself is, and that the guilt of our sin has uh, been totally eradicated by the death of Christ on our behalf. So we ask tonight, again, that you would teach us, teach us to understand the subtlety of sin in our lives and the immensity of that which Christ has done to conquer it. And we ask for your continued blessing. And we ask it all for the sake and in the name of our Lord and Saviour. Jesus Christ. Amen.